0: we And welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Stevens here. I got no. I got no clever opening, but very kind of like down and then up week. Very exciting for sending yesterday. What do you want to talk about? You.
1: The way you asked that was True Blue LA podcast, like as if I mean it's right. Like uh, I was looking at this. Um,
0: <laughs> I got my first trivia question right. What's no, the name no, of this podcast?
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, uh, I was going to say, so we, uh, I think maybe we're getting a little loopy in that I'm just looking back roughly at the schedule. So the last the last week we didn't record a podcast was the week before the spring training game started in February. Mm-hmm. So we've recorded, this is the 14th straight week we've recorded. So, uh, you know, usually we might take breaks now and then, but we've managed to sort of find a way. Um, power through so maybe we're getting loopy and I I don't blame you at all
0: well we're going to talk about that week I just mentioned we're a little sour at first but things are looking a little better now the Calvary has arrived Dodgers are uh, about to go on a nice little streak of playing some teams that are uh, struggling so far this year to say the least and we'll uh, talk about all of that questions from Greg Dodgers rewind some order like that after this
2: Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
0: So we're in June now. So I think before we talk about the last week, we should talk a little bit about May and what made May tick. Um, uh-huh.
1: so <laughs> we that that was sort of the the plan right but i i forgot you me. texted me this morning and um it made me laugh because i have also sort of been thinking about this uh because there's a couple reasons and it's it's semi-timely but you, you just i forgot what you said it was something like i just i, I just saw the the game time for july 4th uh yeah i have so, a,
0: a friend of mine is a nationals fan so i wanted to mm-hmm. uh, message her like hey by the you know Maybe we could, you know, electronically watch the game together or something like that and uh uh notice I'm like, Oh, it's Jill- they're playing July Five in for Washington, that's sweet. Oh no. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's an eleven AM local start. Um I I looked back at this back in oh God, when that November, whenever the whenever the act like the schedule came out, because it was one of those like wait, is that a typo? Um So I don't know, like, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, I looked, they, I think the nationals have done this every year since 2012. I think the, the genesis of it was, um, you know, there's a big, like, you know, July 4th celebration in Washington, DC. So they try to like clear the area out by, by the time that's up, you know, so, A little bit earlier, it's like the only thing I can think of that's similar is the Red Sox always playing like Monday morning on Patriots Day. I think that's also a similar 11 a.m. start, but as you know, that's on the East Coast. So, uh, for I mean, even for you, it's a 10 a.m. game. That's I mean, like that. We I'm used. I'm going to have that this Sunday, I believe, when the Dodgers are playing with the Braves, but in Atlanta, but. 8 am this is too early to watch baseball um uh, it's brutal like I just remember like I think they've played I, there's usually like a getaway day in Cincinnati that's like 9 a.m you know or something weird uh, pac- uh pacific time and it, that's a tough one to get through but the reason I was sort of bringing this up now is because just like I believe since we last recorded uh, ESPN sort of announced a few more games uh, later in the season. Um, uh, September 5th, I believe uh, the Dodgers are playing in the Giants in San Francisco. They moved that into a Sunday night baseball game. That's, you know, fine. However, uh, that's a 4 p.m. start. It used to be five uh, on the West coast. Now that now it's four, but the Dodgers play in St. Louis the next day on Labor Day. And that game starts at 1115 uh, Pacific time. So, I, I've been meaning to ask this uh, of Dave Roberts um, just because it came out in the last week or so, but that's brutal. Like, uh, you know, technically it, it falls under the rules. Like the CBA um, accounts for like you have to start games earlier on getaway day. Um, like, for instance, yesterday the Dodgers played the Cardinals and the Cardinals play at home today. So the way the CBA defines it, they have, like, set flight times, like, uh, between cities. So I believe the uh, uh, Dodge L.A. to St. Louis is three hours and 13 minutes. So that what you have to do on getaway day is um, it, you subtract two and a half hours from the flight time. And then whatever that number is, you have to subtract that from 7 p.m. local. And you can't have your game start then. So yesterday, the Dodger game on getaway day started at six ten instead of seven ten on a Wednesday, which was a little weird. But that's a lot of teams play day games on getaway days. But the Dodgers, you know, like attendance, and so they, they play as many games at night as possible. So yeah, that was weird. But this actually, I was looking. This actually fits under that, like because it's a Sunday. There's no 7 p.m. game Sunday. There, there was one like last year, I think, when the Dodgers had some weird scheduling thing, or maybe it was the year before. But, um, technically, that similar flight, San Francisco to St. Louis, if you subtracted, you know, four o'clock still qualifies for subtracting enough time from seven to travel. So technically, it, it's like okay by the CD, but you know, I, I'm sure the team's like, come on, man, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be weird. Uh, but yeah, I just just wanted to bring that up. It has nothing to do with this week at all, but it was just sort of a funny scheduling quirk that I think we'll, we'll we'll talk about as it as it comes up later in the year.
0: All right, back to May, mm-hmm. the month not our sadly s- s- we injured were... pitcher.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And he got injured on May first, which is just come on. Like it was literal May Day when it happened, so that's bad. But like, um, I was. Trying to figure out the best, um, I th- it doesn't quite work if you say makes Muncy uh, like M A Y X Muncie, but like you know that's about as close as I was going to get to this. But yeah, Max Muncy, right? Well, let's remember last year uh, he was he hit under two hundred for the season, the sixty game season, um, and the Dodgers he was still walking, he was still reasonably. You know, power hitting not as much as like his previous two years when he was one of the best like power hitters in the national in the majors. But the Dodgers were patient with him. He hit cleanup every single game in the postseason and he was really good. And he he set a non Barry Bonds record with 20 walks in a single postseason. Um, So uh, he was excellent, I would say, in the postseason. And then, like, also, remember last year he broke his thumb, or, or a finger, I forget which finger it was, uh, like, the, the the week prior to the season starting in late summer camp, he was hit by a pitch up by Alex Wood. Um, and um, so, yeah, like, I don't know, it, it's it was rough. It was a, like a rough go, and he, so he had the, sort of the slump that's associated with that. In a normal year, you could probably write that off because at some point you're going to heat up but it was only 60 games he did heat up in the you know game 61 through 78 which really mattered a lot so that helped but like that was context for that but this year everything's sort of coming together now he did also slump this year like he went a good 3 weeks without hitting a home run he was in like this 3 for 48 stretch but he was still walking like a ton and it was just like a matter of he talked openly about um well not too openly he didn't want he didn't get into specifics but basically pointing out that that like, that's the other thing about like people complaining about offense today. Like, well, why don't hitters just go the other way? You know, they're just stubborn. Right. But the, the, the thing is the reason, uh, the sort of pitcher imbalance, pitcher hitting imbalance as it was, uh, as it is, is because pitchers are like just way ahead of hitters. Like they're, they're throwing harder with crazier movement. Um, so it's really hard to actually string hits together to score. So the best avenue to score is to try to hit home runs, basically, or, or like you know extra base hits, and then because hits are hard to come ha- hard to get as hard to come by as they are. So that's a challenge. He's talked openly about this. You know, you have to combat like the way the pitchers are attacking you, and he's as good of a judge of like the strike zone as anybody, but. So it's been a struggle, but in May, he sort of, it all came together for him. He hit 10 home runs. Um, he hit 330, 440, in the month. He set personal records for any month in hits, total bases, homers, runs, slugging, and batting average. There was one month, I think June 2018, when he had um, a slightly higher, um, bat, no, slightly higher on base and, and a little bit higher OPS. But otherwise, this was like his best month. Now on the season, he's hitting, uh, 268, 428, 536. This is through, uh, Wednesday, June 2nd. He leads the majors in walks. He leads the National League in on-base percentage. He's actually third in the majors in OBP. He's sixth in the majors in WRC+, 167, uh, which would be his best if he keeps it up. Now, he also hit his 100th career home run on Sunday. 95 of those have come with the Dodgers, and, uh... Since he got called up by the Dodgers in April 2018, he's sixth in the majors in home runs. So, like, that's how good he's been. Um, now, I thought this was interesting. Now, oh, so, first of all, he did get the ball uh, back, um, the 100th home run ball. I think he said the uh, the fan only wanted an autograph, and he was like, I was more than happy to do that for him. He he was, like, actually kind of geeking out a little bit over that he got the ball back. That was really fun. I, I think Muncie... Um, is very confident, but also like reflective at times. And so I have a couple audio clips from the other day after he hit his hundredth home run, um, the first time. So he was almost out of baseball after the A's released him. He went to the Dodgers, decided to keep playing. And you know, obviously the rest is history. Um, he doesn't, he usually doesn't like to dwell on his time with the A's when the Dodgers played there earlier in the year in Oakland, he was like, you know, I tried to move past that, that kind of stuff but I thought this, this quote was interesting from Muncie.
3: Uh, I try not to think back at all. Um, You know, it's just, that's part of the changes that I made when uh, you know, I decided to keep playing baseball was, you know, change my, the way I look at things mentally and to never look back. I always look at the day forward. And um, so for me, you know, I try not to sit back and, you know, reflect on it too much, but uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't mean a lot that I'm, I'm where I'm at right now. Um, You know, it was just, rough time but now now we're in the good times and we just got to keep uh keep it going so uh, that does mean a lot to me
1: now um as for this season you know muncie also talked about that on sunday and it sort of um reflected a little bit also the difference between now and his time in oakland he was asked um if this kind of a hitter or if he felt like this kind of this kind of hitter was always in there uh, inside of him and this was his answer
3: uh, you know part of me always felt like it was in there um, but you know you, when you start having failure you start having your own, your own self doubts and uh, on top of that you have so many other people telling you that you can't do things and it's um, you know it just it's it, 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 it's hard to come back from that but uh, you know thankfully I, was, I had the right support staff around me to, to, to keep me going
1: so yeah the, we're talking about like a hitter in Muncie who is like just in like total control at the plate right now like He's going to go through slumps, but I think he's always going to have like relatively good at bat. He's going to have a good eye. Um, and so even when he's slumping, he's still like productive in other ways. Uh, one of those ways is defensively. He was uh, really good uh, at first base to start this year. Uh, he actually still leads the majors in defensive runs saved at first, but he's played most of the last two weeks at second base where he's also above average. I think he was... If I am not mistaken, he was also rated above average uh, by defensive runs saved at third. Last do, year, do you well. remember
0: when he they started using him at second? Right. And we, we were like, oh, oh no. my god, yeah! <laughs> and it, you know, over rough. a long season, maybe he's not that much above average, or even above average, but like mm-hmm. he can play for sure. Mm-hmm. He's not a liability there, whereas which is what I think the maybe the early thought was a couple seasons ago,
1: right? And they generally position well enough mm-hmm. to like put players in the best positions. To succeed, but all you know, you can't hide a bad defender if it's, if it's a bad defender. You could tell the difference between a, like an excellent defender, even in shifts and stuff. But yeah, he's he's just a good all around player, and I think um, we're sort of seeing that now. So that that's that's been um, you know like a key point, like Muncy being excellent has really helped the Dodgers. They had a, a ton of people get hurt. Um, like, all around, but, like, just him being that sort of consistent force in the lineup has helped. Now, Gavin Lux also heating up in May helped a lot, too, and taking down shortstop um, with Corey Seager out. And, like, obviously Lux is a shortstop, and um, so that bodes well for him that he was just able to step in. Like, and his problems, he had the yips, basically, at second. He was having trouble throwing, and, like, now he's been, like, good defensively just generally, like I think at both positions, so that that's been a plus. Also, he's, he's been hitting, um, and then we're starting to get like, uh, or the Dodgers are starting to get like uh, players back. Um, Cody Bellinger and Zach McKinstry were activated last weekend. Um, Bellinger like struggled at the plate um, for a few games, um, but then like he started hitting the ball hard. His last you know couple days, he he uh, had a two run single and a Grand Slam in the same inning yesterday. It was the Dodgers' second 11-run inning in, what is that, eight months? Um, that's their, their most ever as an L.A. Dodger team. The, the Brooklyn franchise record is 15 runs in an inning. All of those innings happened to come in the first inning. Uh, that's a coincidence more than anything, I think. But, yeah, it was uh, good. But even when Bellinger was like struggling those first three games at the plate, I think he was... He was over ten with seven strikeouts. He also walked three times, but um, even when he was struggling at the plate, you, you sort of forgot since he hasn't hadn't played since April fifth. Like, oh yeah, he's really good in center, and like uh, he was like tracking balls down right and left, um, and that you could just tell like that having him out there is is a real boon to like the overall defense, and um, you know in terms of like I'm sure like the, the pitchers have more confidence with him out there, and, like, it was just, a, like, a welcome sight, I think, to see. You know, McKinstry um, has been good, like, relatively. He had a couple throwing errors at second, so that's always, I think, going to be a struggle, but I think he's going to end up hitting two. A.J. Pollock was just activated this morning. Uh, he's going to join the team, or he is joining the team on the road trip in Atlanta. So, like, they're back to sort of having, like, you know, Corey Seager's obviously still out, but that's about as full as a roster as they can get right now with Seeger out, like in a real bench, they're going to go back they went back to 13 pitchers and 13 position players. Um, uh, Edwin, uh and Alex Vessia were optioned uh, today. So that'll sort of help. Uh, now the other thing was uh, Mookie Betts has been, had this like weird season where uh, back injuries early. He says he's over them. Uh, left shoulder thing that was sort of bugging him for like a week maybe two he sat a couple games with that then when he came back from that um, he was slumping and then he sat on Sunday because of like allergies he, Dave Roberts said he couldn't see when he woke up so he was scratched just a weird thing and everybody's talking about why why is Betts doing so bad like he was literally hitting 240 so but on a relative sense, I think his WRC plus was 122. Uh, even with that, like he does a lot of things well. So struggling in a relative sense, right? Like uh, he wasn't like MVP level Mookie Betts. He was still a very like a very good uh, Mookie Betts. I saw an off, offhand tweet. I don't remember who tweeted and I can't find it. But I, it was something like. Oh no, uh, Mookie Betts only has Corey Seager's career line. What will the Dodgers do? You know, that kind of, that kind of a thing. It, 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 so you really have to. There has to be some perspective in this. In in like his struggles. However, he looked really good against the Cardinals. Uh, whatever, uh, whatever allergy medication he got. Kudos uh, because he reached base nine times in fourteen plate appearances. And I think Dave Roberts. He said this multiple times, but it was essentially. Uh, you know, as Mookie goes, we go, that, that sort of thing. And so the more people are getting back, the better the offense is going to look, um, you know, even if they don't score, have an 11-run inning. <laughs> um, the other thing, um, Tony Gonsolin, he is starting. We're recording this on a Thursday this week instead of a Wednesday, our usual day. Tony Gonsolin's starting for Oklahoma City today. Um, that'll be his final rehab start, probably. And then he'll slot in to the rotation next week. So, that means they're basically done with bullpen games. Now, uh, I'll say, bullpen games, I, I hate them with a passion. <laughs> they're not super fun to watch because no one really wants to watch, like, you know, a ton of pitching changes. Um, even if they have mid-inning, it's just, it's just like, because the more, I think the more pitchers you turn to, the more likely you are to have someone have a bad day, you know? However, they kind of worked. Like, they were... It was a little bit of, like, forced out of necessity in a weird way. You know, they were going to call up Josiah Gray. He had a shoulder thing. Gonsolin wasn't ready yet. He had a, um, his thing was also a shoulder. Um, And, like, you know, for all the, we have eight starter stuff in spring, they kind of quickly learned that Jimmy Nelson and David Price, at least for this year, are, like, better suited in relief roles. And they've been really good, I think. But, so they can't really go super deep and they just really didn't have anyone else. So they, I think this was like their best way. Um, they only allowed 14 total runs in those five bullpen games. They were two and three, but that was more on the offense, not scoring. Um, they never allowed more than three in any game. So that was good. Now the cost is you deplete your bullpen like afterward and beforehand. Like they use six, six, seven, seven, and seven pitchers in those five games. Now, the one thing, the starting pitching has been so good and good enough to sort of kind of almost negate that cost in terms of, like, they go deep almost every night. And so it's not hurting them that much in that regard. Now, the other cost is they've carried, like, uh, four starters and ten pitchers for all. So only 12 position players. Um, So that's a short bench. So... In a bullpen game, I, that's a normal thing. But like, just on any night, like you have fewer pinch hitters than pop than you than you know you might want, or, or like double switching, and it sort of limits you. Now that's with with Pollock and Nelson back, and they they option uh, two pitchers. They're back to thirteen thirteen now, so they have a I think a more functional roster, and then you're hopefully not going to have to do um, I don't know. You're you're just not going to have to do like, bullpen game type stuff anymore, I don't think, at least for a while. Uh, but, yeah, so that that's sort of where, where they're at.
0: Well, I think we're adequately caught up. Like, we could talk about the 11-run inning, but, like, I think everyone probably saw it, it as good.
1: Uh, I will say this. The the only thing I will say about that is uh, the Dodgers scored 11 runs in the first, and now their next three games are against the Braves. That sounds familiar.
0: So. <laughs> well, you want to you wanna throw a trivia question I can embarrass myself on?
1: Yeah, so the last three of those five bullpen games, David Price started. um, His longest outing was two and two-thirds innings. Um, On May 27th, uh, I believe that was the middle one of those three, um, he struck out five uh, in that game to reach exactly 2,000 strikeouts in his career. He's the 84th player in Major League history to reach 2,000 strikeouts. 19 of them... Uh, pitch for the Dodgers at one point, um, including Price. How many of the other 18 can you name?
0: Before we go to break, I want you to give me an over-under on what you think I'm going to get.
1: Um, so, I, this is funny, like, I got this, I thought of this trivia question, like, so soon after we recorded last week that I actually forgot who some <laughs> of the things, so I, I'm, I'm in the list. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six uh, seven eight. I think you should get half at least half of the eighteen.
0: Whew. Alright, I'm gonna see how well I can do after this. who have reached (laughs) 2,000 strikeouts, who played at one point, any point, played for the Dodgers. Uh, 19
1: of them played for the Dodgers. David Price has won, so there's 18 more.
0: Name all all 84. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Okay, Um, I am going to start going down, and then I may or may not ask some clarifying questions before I get too embarrassed. You ready? Yep. Okay, Clayton Kershaw.
1: Uh, That is correct. He is... Uh, he is sixth, uh, in, in total strikeouts on this list.
0: Sandy Koufax.
1: That is correct.
0: Don Drysdale. Yes. Greg Maddox.
1: Yep. He's second.
0: Pedro Martinez. Third. Um, Juan Marichal.
1: Okay. Okay. I This was not one of the nine I thought you would get, so kudos <laughs> to you, but yes,
0: 2303 was his total. Um, Don Sutton. Number one, 3574.
1: Dazzy Vance. Uh, see, I'm proud of you for getting <laughs> Dazzy Vance. I'm not. And <laughs> I, I'm... Like, I, I've, I've browbeaten Dazzy Vance into <laughs> you, so I'm I'm happy you got that. So you're up to seven. You're seven for seven so far. This is actually...
0: oh, But now we're getting to the, the muddy waters, because 2000 is such a, like... Mm-hmm. A long, like, cr- a long okayish career. You get there. You don't.
1: You don't have to be great.
0: Yeah, to get it, it? <laughs> you but. either need to have been around a long time or had like a six year period where you were pretty good. And so I've got mm-hmm. some names: Kevin Brown. Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, he. So he's. I will tell you. Looking at this, um, you got the top three, okay. and then five through eight.
0: Okay. Um, Zach Crinky. So now you
1: got the top three, and oh, sorry, you got yeah, you had the top three and six through nine. Now you have the top three and five through nine.
0: Okay. Oh boy, now we're getting to the names where I'm like, I don't know. Uh, so
1: wait, <laughs> I believe you're at uh, you're at you're at nine, right? I'm at
0: ten, I think. So
1: you're at ten. You're at ten. Wow, excellent.
0: Um, you
1: are at ten, yeah. Fernando. Fernando, yes, two thousand seventy four.
0: Um, Josh Beckett.
1: No, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up where exactly where he's. Yeah, is I don't, there I don't were a few names uh, on this
0: list. I'm like, I really want to look this up.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he was obviously very good for a while. Um,
0: he, he had to be I, pretty close, right? I
1: I I just can't type right now. <laughs> 1901. Okay, total. all
0: right. I'm I'm fine with that guess then. Uh, yeah,
1: no, it's it's a fine guess. Well, especially um, because one of the names of this, you are going to be like, "What?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh boy, now we're getting there. Uh, Charlie Huff.
1: Yes. All right. So he was. Uh, this is he was number ten.
0: Okay. The median
1: um, or one of the medians.
0: Uh, Jerry Royce? No. Okay. Looking that up while I think of others.
1: You're be. You'll be well to think of in that regard pitchers who pitch forever. Um,
0: you're right. That's <laughs> uh, 1907 for Jerry Royce. <laughs> Man, again, see,
1: I, I knew I should have asked 1900 as the cutoff. You would have you would have nailed it.
0: <laughs> um, oral. Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: Well, wow, so I think you're you're only missing. Let's see, one, two, three, four. You're only missing five. All right, you nailed thirteen of these so far. You're excellent.
0: Uh, in the name of pitchers who pitched forever, um, Jamie Wright.
1: No, the thing is with him, he was like half starter, half reliever. Yeah, yeah, no, so and that, that's that, that, And, that and
0: well, well, it. short. He was the last name I'm list, and there's many, many question marks. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. that's three bricks. So I am going to, I am going to stop. You, there's one name. You, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Do you, oh, you want you want a hint?
0: I will take one hint, but I, I okay. may still tap out because I I have written I've literally said every every name but one on this list.
1: One of these players yep. uh, has, uh, to my knowledge, still never eaten fish.
0: I I I don't don't know what that means.
1: That, that is Dan Heron, two thousand thirteen strikeouts. Yep. Um, David Wells.
0: Uh, <laughs> I knew I, knew I Dodgers, was missing one name. When he like
1: <laughs> The the only only name in the top ten you didn't get was one that I always forget. Was a Dodger former senator uh, Jim Bunning. Okay. Um, and you got Marishal. That was what a pull. That was excellent. The other the other like odd one, Camilo Pascual. Okay. Uh, 2167 so you, you nailed it man you you did really well
0: um, if you were one you uh, Darvish is at 1400 that was the one they like, I don't think he's there but like because oh. I forget how often he was like I was never I'm always a little uncertain how, mu- how much time he missed due to injuries kind of in that the middle part of his career uh-huh. and I it, it was what I expected which is why I didn't say his name but I wouldn't have been surprised if I was just dead Ron and he actually had more than I thought mm-hmm. he'll probably get there though I see. I, I would think so. Uh, love, love me some Yu Darvish, despite his placement on the Padres. Um, He's pretty good. We have, we have had way too many of these. Row another right. sad Dodgers rewind.
1: Or yeah, we're gonna, um I, I believe as Casey Kasem said, uh, got to come out of a damn death dedication <laughs> to introduce this next record. No, um, Mike Marshall, the pitcher, um, passed away on Tuesday. Um, one of the like unique characters I would say in baseball history. Now, his, his sort of claim to fame is like sort of having a rubber arm. Uh, first relief pitcher to win the Cy Young. He did so with the 1974 Dodgers. Um, they the Dodgers traded him, or excuse me, the Expos traded him to the Dodgers at the winter meetings in 1973 for Willie Davis. Now, Willie Davis. Speaking of, like, trivia, he's a good guy to an- ask or to answer for, like, um, Dodgers all-time stuff because he was around forever. He's, I believe, still the Dodgers all-time hit leader. Um, if he's not, he's the all-time L.A. hit leader. But um, just a very popular figure and longtime Dodger when he was traded. But the Dodgers, so they traded um, their center fielder for a reliever. And then they traded, um, like, a longtime stalwart starter who was admittedly older, Claude Osteen, within the same winter meetings, like, within a day or two, for uh, another center fielder, Jimmy Wynn. Uh, Jimmy Wynn arguably should have won MVP over Steve Garvey in 74, but the fact was he was excellent. So was Mike Marshall, and, like, that was those two were key to, like, them winning the pennant, their, their first one since Koufax retired. Um, but back to Marshall for a second, so... Uh, in the Dodgers sort of um, obituary of him, they, the historian Mark Langell uh, included this quote. Uh, Marshall said in 2003, I had a deal with Walter Alston. If I warmed up, I was getting into the game. And that was true uh, for the most part. He actually pitched uh, in 13 games in a row at one point. Uh, just think about that. That's ridiculous. And... All the times he pitched, he basically he averaged about two innings a game. Now, some of those were shorter, but then this was back in the seventies too, where there might be a quick hook sometimes. Pitchers generally completed what they started, but they also got hooked more. But so, like, you might have a reliever come in and pitch like six innings just to finish out the game. It was weird, man. Like, um, but so that year, Mike Marshall, one hundred and six games. 208 and a third innings. Both records still stand. Um, Nobody has pitched um, more than 94 games in a season uh, besides Mike Marshall. Um, So the second most relief innings in a season is also Mike Marshall in 1973, 179. The third highest is 168 and a third uh, by Bob Stanley in 1982. So, Mike Marshall literally pitched 40 more innings in relief than any, any other pitcher in Major League history that year. Only nine uh, non-Mike Marshall pitchers have pitched 150 innings in relief. Nobody's done it more than once. Uh, the most recent was in 1986, Mark Eichhorn of the Blue Jays. Uh, the, with the Dodgers uh, in 1974, he finished 83 games, which was a Major League record. Um, he actually broke that record himself in 1979 with the Twins. Uh, with 84. Um, so Marshall had, excuse me, he had nine seasons where he pitched at least 90 games. Um, I'm I'm sorry. In Major League history, there have only been nine seasons where a pitcher has pitched 90 games. Marshall has three of them. <laughs> so, like, he he was like an everyday guy. Now, that said, he also had some years in between when he was hurt. So, like, <laughs> he, you know, for, he had a ph he had a literal PhD and I, uh, I'm looking at it, I forgot $1. what it was. Uh, I, yeah, I, I have it here. Oh, come on. Come on me. Uh, PhD in exercise physiology. Yeah. So from Michigan state, there's also a story in there where he was a student teacher at his time at Michigan state in, I believe 1967. And one of his students, uh, at Michigan state was Steve Garvey, um, who won the MVP in 1974 with, uh, Mike Marshall and the Dodgers. So, um, now I will say this, uh, Mike Marshall, you know, Doctor Mike Marshall, uh, always was sort of a bold guy who, like, would later claim that he he knew the key to like ending all pitching injuries, and like he got hurt himself in his career. Now, obviously, he was exceedingly durable, so I'm sure he was onto something. But I think the way he went about talking about it is why so many people were turned off from him. And, like, he never like had a like a major league pitching coach job or anything like that. So I think he was abrasive enough that people stayed away. And, and this also happened as a player um, when the when the Expos traded him to the Dodgers. Part of the reason was, I guess, Lynn Henning wrote about this. Uh, I think he he's in Detroit now. But in Montreal, he said he called Mike Marshall, uh, like, after the year, and he was asking about something. And Marshall, like, spent a lot of the interview, like, talking about how uh, all the like the Expos infielders were all, always out of position. Like, can you imagine him pitching in the shift, being so pissed that like balls that getting are getting through? But like, um, he was um, just kind of ripping his, his teammates and um, like, so they I think the Expos brass were like pissed off and like and <laughs> traded him. Uh, so that was part of it. And like, he also wore out his welcome him in, in uh, Los Angeles. Now, uh, Marshall himself. Said, like, that was he was just miserably unhappy that year, even though it was like the one probably the best year ever by a reliever. Um, now th- there's a 1979 um uh, article in Sports Illustrated written by um uh Ron Fimrite, 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 I don't know how you pronounce his Fimrite or however you pronounce his last name, just expansive article on Mike Marshall, who was then with the twins. Marshall talked about a lot. He got a lot of people uh, talking about a lot. But um, speaking about that stuff with the Expos infielder, or, or Expos infield, Marshall did the same thing with the Dodgers. Um, imagine this is Bill Russell on record um, talking about Mike Marshall while he's still active. Now, again, wasn't on the Dodgers by then, but still, you never hear players rip players like this, like on record. Uh, Bill Russell said he's a very interesting person. He was a tough guy to play behind. Um, he never made a bad pitch, according to him, and according to him, we were always out of position. He had a variety of pitches, and he'd throw them in situations another pitcher wouldn't. We couldn't figure him out. Mike was just a different person. He wouldn't allow smokers on the same bus with him, and he always wanted a waterbed in hotels. First of all, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> and, we, and then this is more Bill Russell. Uh, we were pretty loosey-goosey. We did a lot of joking. He took it as if uh, we meant it all. We were just doing it to stay loose. We'd say things we thought were funny, and he wouldn't laugh. He'd say things he thought were funny, and we wouldn't laugh. But overall, he's a super guy, a great competitor. <laughs> one of the one of the great damning with faint praise endings. Without him, we wouldn't have been in the World Series that year. So it was like, you know, he wasn't ripping. It was he. Was, I think he was just like sort of speaking honestly about uh, how kind of Marshall was, like the super like abrasive guy who was who was really good and knew it and, like, w- would go out of his way to, like, tell you how good he was and then, like, very stubbornly refused to think otherwise. Um, but, yeah, just an excellent pitcher. He pitched uh, in all five games in the World Series for the Dodgers that year. Um, he only gave up a run. Um, it was a home run um, later in the series. But in Game 2, when the A's had... Um, uh, noted, like uh, world class sprinter uh, Herb Washington as a pinch runner. He never batted for them that year, but he was like designated pinch runner. He came in in the ninth inning with a one run lead, and there was one out in the first. Uh, and Marshall picked him off first. A it was great. I was um, watching this clip the other day of this, and back then on the NBC World Series broadcast, they would all they would have both home team announcers. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, they would. But then Kurt Gowdy was like the main announcer and the other the home team um, announcer would join them for the game. So Vince Scully was doing this game uh, with Kurt Gowdy. And Scully was explaining right before the pickup, he goes, Marshall for a right-hander is very quick coming over to first base. So if Herb Washington, representing the tying run, tries to too make, take too much of a lead, he would be susceptible. And then like within, like I think, a pitch or a throw or two, he was out. Uh, so... Kudos to Vince Scully for recognizing, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. So yeah, Mike Marshall, he was 78. Uh, I believe he was in the hospice care in Florida, uh, passed away, but yeah, one of the just like most memorable like seasons in, in like major league history, let alone Dodgers. And
0: Jeff Passan has a really good um, sort of pseudo obituary, but right up on, on him on ESPN. Nice. Right now.
1: Um, so I have a Mike Marshall-related trivia question. It is uh-huh. not about 2,000 strikeouts, um, okay. but he had 208 and a third relief innings in 1974. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a major league record, so obviously it's also the Dodgers record. Who has the second most relief innings in a season in Dodgers history? Uh,
0: what have I told you about middle relievers? <laughs> Questions about middle relievers, especially one's now, uh, stats susceptible I will say,
1: uh, um, none of, none of these, none of the top five are middle relievers. Okay. In fact, you could argue even number six would be a stretch to say he's middle reliever.
0: I meant relievers in general. How about that? Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm going to throw one name out and then I'm just going to have you tell me. Yep. Charlie Huff.
1: See? Instincts, man. You're doing great. (laughs) 142 and two-thirds innings in 1976. Uh, this was after uh, Mike Marshall actually was with the Dodgers for part of the year. They traded him in June to the Braves because <laughs> they were kind of tired of him. Also, he was, you know, obviously not as good as 74, but um, I think that was part of it. But, yeah, so uh, Charlie Hebben 60 others. Ron Paranowski is number three and five on that list, uh, 129, 125, and a third. Um, Joe Black in 1952. Um and Bob Miller was the one. He actually finished 39 of his 72 games in 1964. He had nine saves. I, You know, everyone pitched a complete game then, so it's hard to say. But, like, Ron Paranofsky that same year uh, also had the same number of innings. And he was the, the primary, like, save guy. But Bob Miller was the sort of counterpart. But, yeah, the, so, yeah, it was a different era, but uh, sort of an amazing run there.
0: Well, you know what time it is. It's
1: time for me to get embarrassed on trivia questions. I, there's no way I'm going to do as well as you have today.
0: We'll see. It's time for... Questions from Craig. All right. The theme for Eric's trivia questions. from These are from Craig, if, if that wasn't clear at this point. Uh, uh, is June. These are questions about June. Dodgers in June. Name these Dodgers who hold these records for June. There are eight L.A. Dodgers with a minimum of 100 plate appearances who have had a 700 or higher slugging percentage in June. Name them, and for more fun, name the season they did it in. So these are single-season slugging Okay. in the month right. of June.
1: It's a single month, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, Pedro Guerrero in 1985 when he hit uh, 15 home runs. Uh, now you, you are correct.
0: The leader now, on this list for what it's worth.
1: I will ask... Um. Is this is this eight players and like did they do it more than once? Seven, there are no repeats
0: one. on this list.
1: Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I'm like triple
0: in, checking, but yeah.
1: No, no. In my head, I forgot because in like July 1985, Pedro Guerrero like was still hot. He just didn't homer a bunch. But I forgot he's only talking about June, right? yep. so I don't yep. know why I might I complain that. So, um, in looking up Max Muncy stuff. Uh, the other day, uh, his June 2018 had uh, I know for sure had a 700 slugging percentage.
0: You're right, number um, eight on this list for what it's worth. So you're between that, the two.
1: That was his other 10 home run uh, month. Pedro now, Guerrero's
0: uh, slugging was 860, by the way.
1: Yeah, uh, I will say, oh you, oh damn, LA, damn it. Um, <laughs> I was I was about to go to the Duke Snyder. Well, um, uh, June. Let's see about um
0: I'm going to give you one hint uh, if I may. Okay. The earliest season on this list is
1: 1997. Wow. Yeah, that surprised well, in, me. In that case, uh Mike Piazza uh
0: is the 97 fourth on this list.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and then oh, oh okay, so Sean Green
0: uh you are right Any, uh your guess.
1: Oh. Uh, don't have 2000, to. 2002.
0: Yep, number two on this list. Seven twenty. The, the, the uh, sorry, this is not ordered by slugging. Ah, uh, uh, this is by I don't know what this is by alphabet. Yeah, I don't know what this is by. It's not year or or
1: Craig's choice. That's yeah. That's hey, yeah. that
0: works. Um, um, Seven twenty. So am,
1: am I missing four or
0: three? Um, you are missing. Uh, you have Pedro. You have Sean Green. You have Piazza and Muncie's. You're missing four.
1: Ugh. Okay, so Gary Sheffield?
0: Number three. Well, I think is actually number two on this list with 7.98. Right. <laughs> I'll uh, try to do the math in my head.
1: Uh, Matt Kemp?
0: Uh, number, I think, three on this list, um, uh, 2011. You're missing uh, two.
1: Okay. Um, dang it. Um,
0: and I will, you, if you need a hint, I will give you years.
1: Uh, no, no. Uh, what about Cody Bellinger?
0: 2017. Uh, oh, 17. Num- wow. Number uh, something on this list. I don't know. In the middle, 743.
1: So, so there's only one more. Only um, one more. Oh, man. Second uh, lowest
0: on this list of, it's a 713 slugging.
1: What about, uh, Andre Ethier?
0: Uh, no.
1: Um,
0: I'm gonna look something up real quick.
1: No, um, Okay, no, I don't. I give up. I don't know who. No, does. I'm
0: going to give you one sweet hint. Uh, I'm looking it up right now, just to triple check. This was. I have to like uh, more. Hmm. And I want to make sure I don't flub this. Yeah, this was this player's debut month, major league oh, debut. Please. There you go. I'm like, I'm like, i, I was like. I had to make sure the first game wasn't like the thirty-first. <laughs> it was. It was. It was June third. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all right. Next one. Five Los Angeles Dodgers, LA Dodgers, have forty-one or more hits in June. Can you list these players? I have two um, hints for you if you need.
1: I'm gonna go. Rafael for call.
0: Nope.
1: Cesar is Nope. I, I'm, I'm not going by more likely. I was just thinking of that same era. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they're both wrong. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> let's say... Um, damn. Maury Wills? Uh, nope. Tommy Davis?
0: Nope. Wow. What the hell? A reminder that you earlier said one of these players was a great go-to trivia answer <laughs> due to hit racking up and lunging.
1: Man, I... Oh, Willie Davis. There you go. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what? You, you
0: said you said Tommy Davis, right?" Yeah, is on this list. Sorry, I I completely oh, just bricked okay. over it. Uh, both both Davises are on there.
1: Uh, Mike Piazza. Uh, yes. Um, Pedro Guerrero. Nope. I, I was going to say I know it wasn't eighty five, but I figured maybe eighty seven when he hit three thirty eight. But no. Um, sure. uh, Matt Kemp.
0: Nope.
1: Andre Ethier.
0: Nope. Give me you. You want to hit? Yeah, I'll take a hit. One of these players uh, is honored at Dodger Stadium.
1: Come on. Um. What? <laughs> um.
0: As in, you know, perhaps a number is retired.
1: Mm. I don't know.
0: But maybe not a Hall of Famer. <laughs>
1: What? Why am I? Why am I like not thinking of this? Um, this is stupid. Uh, a number is retired.
0: How? Who's the only retired number not by a Hall of Famer?
1: Oh wait, Jim Gilliam. Yeah. Had all right. I didn't think of him as having forty-one hits, but kudos. Forty
0: forty-seven wow. tied with Mike Piazza.
1: I give up on the other.
0: Um, no, I'm going to give you another hint. And you're going to get it. This was this player's debut month.
1: <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. And I think he was like most hit since like Joe DiMaggio or something in the in the first month of the week.
0: Yeah. Um, three Heistmans, which is a great word, mm-hmm. uh, stole 13 or more bases in June for the LA Dodgers. Come on, yeah. Uh, who are they, uh, Eric? Uh,
1: Maury Wills. Yep. Davey Lopes.
0: Nope. Uh, Maury Wills is on here twice. And then, so there's five seasons, yeah, and this yeah. is the case. There's three players. Two are there twice. Maury Wills is one.
1: Uh, Raphael for call. Nope. Juan Pierre.
0: Nope. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry. I was about to give you the hint, anyways. The the hint was one was the bane of Dodgers thoughts commenter back in the day.
1: Juan for five. Um, <laughs> so I'm missing one more. Yep. Oh, D. Gordon.
0: Nope. I'll give you the season if you want it. Yep. 82. Steve Sachs. There you go. Mm -hmm. Good job. His
1: rookie year. Yeah, all right.
0: All right. Second uh, second question from Craig. This is not for the contest, but here's a look at some Dodger rate stats just past the one third mark of the season. Tell us, Eric and Jacob, will the Dodgers be, will these Dodgers be higher, or excuse me, the Dodgers as a whole, be higher or lower by the July 31st trade deadline? Uh, Pitching rates. Strikeouts per game, 10.16.
1: So, I put some context with these. Um, the team record is 9.60 in 2018. The last eight years are the highest in team history. I believe it's the same MLB-wide, but like I don't know if it's that high. I, with Trevor Bauer probably being the most durable Dodgers pitcher and very strikeout heavy, um, I actually like their chances here. Um so I will say over, even though it as absurd as that sounds.
0: I'm going to go under, but it was similar to when we did this last time, very j- just by a little, like mm-hmm. essentially staying the same. Um, You know, summer's heating up. Maybe they're going to, some more balls are going to go out of the park. Maybe that lowers just to, I guess it doesn't really affect strikeouts, but I'm sticking to my cuts. I nice. uh, had ERA in my head. Home runs per game, 1.13. And this is as so- from p- pitching perspective.
1: The last like five years have essentially been around this number. Uh, four years, I guess. It's currently one
0: point one three, and then the last four yeah. one ten, one fourteen, one ten, yeah. one fourteen.
1: Well, and actually, they gave up three yesterday, so it's one point one four now. But mm. like, um, so I'm gonna say over. Yeah, I'm
0: gonna use my logic from the last question yeah. and, and say over, but again, not by not by a terrible amount. Yeah uh whip 1.067
1: i'm gonna just continue my trend and just say over I'm
0: on the lower i don't know why but
1: and so we we have we're we're on the same gotta combat opposite. somewhere exactly exactly
0: uh triples this is batting stats triples per game <laughs> the pitching stat of triple game would be one to predict
1: <laughs> um so it's point two. now the last go, they go, were go. at 0.2 0.20 in 2018 Five of the last six years, though. Besides that, have been between 0.10 and 0.16. So they just—it's hard to hit triples. So I am going to say under on this one.
0: I'm looking up. This just is to prove this a- is not scientific. A- I'm not saying this is actually a good way to do it, but I'm going to base my answer on this, which is I'm looking at the Dodgers schedule. Oh, God. Uh, right. June's a brick, and uh, so they they play three games in Colorado. Wait, is
1: this the Ben Folds one?
0: <laughs>
1: Wait, do they play in San Francisco in June and July?
0: Um, because that's they, another triple part. Uh, they play three in San Francisco in July. uh uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm going to go higher, even though that's roughly the same. You know, I think even I think one game part, less, maybe. But
1: part, Speaking of Twisted Logic, part I looked this up because of that 2018 year, even though it was only at .20, which is what our sort of threshold is. Um, thinking... Well, that had to be driven by Puig because he hit a lot of triples or like, you know, at times he only hit one triple that year. So um, I was like, well, so they basically have like the same, like, so it could have, it could have pushed me over. But I was like, nah, they're going to go under. So
0: stolen bases per game. Um, So I originally brain farted and had this as uh, pitched stolen bases allowed. This is, that's been a night and day difference it seems over the first few weeks of the season to now where everyone was running on the Dodgers successfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seems like that's patent patched up a little bit. Is that just small sample size and I'm failing realizing this or
1: I, part of it is I think it's been done, but also they haven't played the Padres in a while. That's true. Cause the Padres were like picking their pocket clean. I think it was like 18 steals in seven games in like 19 attempts. And the one time one caught stealing was a, Kershaw pickoff that um, Corey Seager dropped the throw at second. <laughs> it's just brutal. Um, but, yeah, on offense, uh, they've been a lot higher than this the last four years. So I'm, I'm going to go higher.
0: Um, yeah, I'll, I'll especially, go.
1: Especially with, um, like, Bellinger back now. Yeah. Not that he's going to steal a ton, but occasionally.
0: Um, and if Mookie gets on base a little bit more often, that's another opportunity. So I'll,
1: Plus, holes will steal a base. Yeah.
0: Uh, Sure, I'll go higher. Hits per game, 8.16.
1: So the context here is uh, the 2003 team was 8.20, which is gross. Um, The only live ball errors worse than 8.16 were 1968, the year of the pitcher, and 1967, it was like 7.6 or whatever. Now, to show you how much this could fluctuate, because of the Dodgers' 14 run outburst on Wednesday uh, after Craig sent this question... The Dodgers are already up to 8.21, so I, I have to go over just because I have to think that even within a, in a depressed offensive environment, I think they have to beat the 2003 team or else I'll be mad. So, like, yeah, it has to be over.
0: And lastly, I... Wait, are you... Roll... Are you
1: t- oh, I was, I, wait, no. I was like, lastly, you're not answering it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm gotcha. not. Gotcha, no. Uh,
0: uh, over. Okay. Trevor Bauer is on track for a six, more than six, B-war season with over 200 innings pitched. Well, it's hard to th- figure out how that equals 40 million salary, do you think if he hopped it out, would he get a better deal?
1: I mean, so here, just to put this in context, um, he got a 10 million dollar his his contract is three years, 102 million, but it has opt outs, and so. It was a ten million dollar signing bonus. He gets twenty eight million this year. The twenty eight million isn't paid till like November. So, because of a weird thing, now if he opts out, he gets a two million dollar bonus. But the Dodgers can um, defer twenty million to uh, from to two thousand thirty one to two thousand forty two million a year. So he it's essentially a one year forty million dollar deal. If he opts out, slightly less because of the deferral. But, so that he'd be leaving two years and $62 million on the table. Now, if he, like, goes out and contends for the Cy Young, he could beat that on the open market. Like, definitely a two-year deal. But I think he likes the flexibility. And I think if he pitches well enough and the Dodgers do well enough, he doesn't really have any reason to leave yet. Um, the more likely opt-out is uh, after next year because – uh, his salary next year is thirty-two million, same as two thousand twenty-three. But if he opts out after next year, he gets a fifteen million dollar bonus. So then his contract at that point would essentially be two years eighty-five million. So I think that's where he maxes out. So he'd really only be leaving seventeen million on the table. So I think that's the inflection point. So like he def- he would get a better deal than two sixty-two or at least a long- longer deal. But he's shown like he's not necessarily about that he likes the flexibility and I think I I don't think it's likely at all that he opts out after this year but I do think it's it's like almost a lock unless he's hurt that he opts out after 2022 and like it could just be to resign again with the Dodgers but like that's that's sort of where it's at to me
0: Given the discussions about athletes' access to the media, if Major League Baseball keeps their clubhouse policy in virtual interviews in place beyond this season, how will that impact the future of baseball coverage?
1: Um, I like a lot of this is getting negotiated, like as we speak. Um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be kept in place. Like, there's going to be aspects of the stuff that's kept in place now. Um. I don't think we're going to get back in the clubhouse this season. Like, logistically, it's difficult. Um, it might happen, but like, I don't, I don't doubt it. Now, what's probably going to happen relatively soon is that writers uh, will be able to um, access players like on the field, like during batting practice. It could be in a, like a controlled setting where, um, either. We're in a, like, just in front of the dugout or something, catching players as they come off for batting practice, or we're, like, in the stands interviewing the players, like, right next to the stands, so there's some distance still. But I think some of that stuff's going away, so that's, like, going to happen relatively soon. But there's still going to be, like, Zoom stuff, I think, for this year, um, just generally. Now, next year, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, if, you know if everything sort of goes as is it's subject to like negotiation, but uh, I think the players enough players like it to the point where I don't, I think the players hate just, this is a very general term. Generally the, the players hate um, the zoom meetings because like the questions are not new, like they're, they're okay, but like they're, it's all like recorded. And then, too many people, like, I always hate, like, parsing quotes on, like, social media. And then if you just, if you get, like, a clip of some answer without really knowing the context, like, people spin that in a weird way. So I, it's, it's better for them generally to, to be able to, like, talk frankly, like, one-on-one with somebody than in a, in a sort of press conference setting. So I think that's part of it, but like, I don't know. No, I guess, I think I had this the other way. Like the players probably like it more than like, say managers do. Um, Just because it's less they have to deal with. But I think there's a lot of players, I think enough players who appreciate like the, the realness that comes out of the um, like one-on-one type stuff. Now, uh, the fact that we like talk to like for the Dodgers talk to Dave Roberts like twice a day, every day on Zoom. Like I think that's that's rough. Like there's you lose some context and stuff. You loo- like there's sometimes where it's confusing because it's on Zoom and that if we're in person, like little tiny like clarifications can be handled so much easier in person than they can over Zoom. So I think that's a little more frustrating on the manager side. But I, I think um, it's probably going to be the way, at least through the end of the season. But I think clubhouse access next year is probably going to be back. There's, you know, it's probably going to be some sort of a hybrid next year. Um, they might like some of these like remote type access things. Uh, but I think at some point um, we'll get back into like being able to have like one on one with players relatively soon. So that'll be good.
0: Over the weekend, I had two different but wonderful sandwiches, a grilled pork banh mi and a mm-hmm. fried catfish po'boy. Both were excellent examples of different textures and flavor profiles encased by a soft, crisp bun. While I enjoy a classic Italian meat sub-sandwich, there's a time for a hot meat sandwich too. Eric and Jacob, name some of your favorites and have you recreated them at home?
1: Um, the, the, the one I recreate at home the most is the simplest, uh, is just like a, a very good like sausage, like a an Italian hot sausage, a, a bratwurst, or something where you like uh, boil it in in beer for like twenty minutes and then grill it, um, and just have that like very simply. Um, but going out like my my favorite of these like hot type sandwiches is. Is got, I think it's got to be, like, an Italian beef and or an Italian beef and sausage at, like, Portillo's. Um, that's probably my favorite. Then, like, just generally, like, a, a, a meatball sub from almost anywhere. <laughs> like, that that's a good, like, occasional, like, go-to. And especially, like, if you get awesome bread, like, um, where it's, like, both soft and, like, uh, crunchy on the outside. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's some excellent stuff. Oh, just all around.
0: I mean, this is my territory to be sure. Yep. I mean, I've been working on baking a hoagie roll. Um, I'm, mm. I, I'm at a really good one, but I would, I do want to learn how to make it cause it's, it's got a nice hard texture on the outside and very soft in the middle, but I want to get that sort of Dutch crunch where it's even like crackier, crunchy on the outside. Uh, so I'm going to try to learn how to do that. Um, my favorite, possibly my favorite thing to eat, period, is um, a Philly cheesesteak, both beef and chicken. Um, so that's that's my answer to this. I absolutely, like, it's just my, it's heaven. Um, I probably eat the chicken a little from at home more often, just um, to get the properly cut sized beef is a bit of a hassle. I usually have to go to a butcher for it yeah. um, to get the one, I re- the kind I really, really like. Um, also just trying to lower... Red meat consumption in general. Um, yeah, but like if I, uh, you know, out at a place that I trusted to do it right, uh, nothing, nothing beats it.
1: Now I, I've never been to Philadelphia, so I haven't had like a you know quote unquote true cheesesteak. But that's it. I love cheesesteaks. There's yeah. a couple like like local places that I, I I really like for them. From a chain, I actually like the um, Jersey Mike's um, uh, Philly. And, and chipotle like, is really good too. And with the chicken, I get like just as often, if not more often than the steak. And it's excellent. Yeah. So that hits the spot like even more than a, a meatball at times. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely up there for me too. It's a, I guess it would, you know, if we're doing like, <laughs> we're not necessarily doing that, but if we're doing like a Mount Rushmore, I have at least three of the, these like sandwiches sort of taken care of, hot sandwiches. So Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, I guess French French dip would be the other. It's either French dip or pastrami would be the fourth for me. A
0: couple I of specific just, recommendations. Yeah. The uh, Freud Oyster Po' Boy at Little Dom's in LA. And Los Feliz oh. is, is out of this world good. One of my favorite hot sandwiches there. And I need to make sure that uh, this... The item I'm about to recommend is actually on the regular menu and isn't a special because it might have been a special. And if so, I'm very sorry. Um, it looks like it maybe was, but it also they might have just renamed it a lardo in Portland, oh. Oregon, is mm-hmm. an excellent sandwich place. And I, while I was there, had a uh, uh, my favorite sandwich I've ever eaten. Was wow. uh, a Philly there? I don't see it on here, but I see something that might have been it, and I'm just forgetting the name uh, on the current menu called the Two One Five, and it looks like it's very, very. It's it's a it is a Philly. It's shaved sirloin, American cheese. Um,
1: I I was gonna say um, in my trying to figure out between pastrami and French dip, just just to have a logo of the hat as my fourth sandwich yeah. because <laughs> it'll it'll catch all. But no, I, I also forgot you you sent me I, for Christmas. Um, Joe's barbecue, like a, a home kit. And that was like, a, what was it? The bar- Z-Man that was, well, sandwich. Yeah, that was excellent. And th- that was excellent having been shipped to me yeah. and <laughs> me like reheating it and making it myself. So like imagine how good it is in restaurant. Uh, yeah, 2 so, I'm
0: overlooking here because gaza- I, I guess I w- I'm at the point where like I don't, I feel like these don't even need to be said are uh, yeah. any, any French tip from Philippe's and um yeah and then the z-man sandwich paul rudd has an interview because paul rudd's originally from kansas city and for his super bowl party or fantasy draft fantasy draft i think he has the z-man shipped out um because it is it is that good i think they asked him about it on hot hot ones as well it is um if you're ever in the kansas city area or you want to have it shipped get a z-man uh the if you are not local to KC, um get get the brisket one that's uh that's the uh value over replacement sandwich the best you can get especially because you can't really get good brisket uh i should i should rephrase that because i'm sure you can get good brisket in a lot of places but kansas city does it right i think um but if you are going to be in kc a while the chicken z man is also excellent
1: i will say the one you sent me it's it's like a snap to reheat and like it you don't lose uh, the flavor uh so yeah it's excellent and Hey, Jacob, uh, look at us.
0: Look at us. (laughs) We're done. done. Hey, look at us. Uh, So,
1: so, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Go go have a hot sandwich out there and listen to this episode. Although you've already listened to it, if you can hear me now. So rewind it, listen to it again. Uh, Rate and review us if you are so inclined. And thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later.